Welcome to Mouse of the Merrimack. I'm Captain Chris Velasquez here with my cousin, good friend, and fishing buddy, Dan Diodati. Okay, and over here tonight, we have our first guest. We have Mr. Justin Oser. Yeah, Justin was a good friend of mine from back in the day. We used to work deck at Captain's Fishing Parties for a while. A long time. And now we've moved on to bigger and better things, particularly Justin, who just won a major tournament. Justin, talk to us about it. So I am a kayak fisherman. I, uh, it's the uh, fisherman tournament down out of the Fisher Magazine. It's a year-long kayak fishing tournament. It focuses on, let's see, you got the Totog, you got Fluke, Bluefish. Tournament? People win money on that stuff. But That's amazing. Is there, I know, so, all right, keep going. All right, keep going. and then we got, uh, as far as the other stuff going, we got, let's see, we got Scott Porgy, and then you got a combination hardtail category, which is the Albies and the Benito, and then I think that's all of them. I think that was eight. There's eight. That yeah, there's eight categories. Yeah, I remember it, checking it out online. Yeah. That's all of them. That's that's a good <laughs> that's a good amount of species there. It's pretty much everything you can you can catch like inshore from uh, south of the Cape going down towards you know. Yeah, you, you have a nice locale. Justin lives in Lowell, so he can either fish north up where we are, yeah. or he can go down south and play with something different every once in a while. And um, I was talking to Justin last week just through text, and he mentioned that he had won the tournament. I'm like, oh, buddy, we got to get you up here. We got to get you on the podcast. It's pretty cool. And then one of the things, I don't know if you know this, but I saw a Facebook post by the fisherman over the weekend, and I saw some Justin Oser quotes. And we're going to get into that because what seemed like a lot of fun, how you were watching the leaderboard and people's names were changing and you were holding off. But tell everybody uh, what you accomplished because when I looked at the leaderboard, all I did was see your name littered all over the place. So talk to us. What were the winning fish? What categories? All right, so I'm a bottom fisherman. I like catching bottom fish. Um, your fluke, your black sea bass, your tog. Um, so those are the stuff I really primarily target. I, uh, they all taste good. You might as well go. If you're going to catch something, you want to take it home, you can eat it. Great. But uh, so I went down. I ended up getting, in the springtime, I got a nice 23-and-a-half-inch black sea bass in that spring bite down in Buzzards Bay. Oh, wow. Out in the kayak, yeah. How much does something like that weigh? A little over four pounds, maybe almost five. Oh, nice fish. Was it a male or female? Oh, big old humphead male, bright colors. Yeah. Justin, what do you use it for a setup when you're fishing, fishing for the tog? Oh, for the, oh, the, to- oh, for the oh, sea bass. Sea bass. Sorry. So I use a uh, Jigging World Nexus heavy seven-footer with the Acris. It's kind of like, you know, I'd say it's a John Skinner special. You know, it's, it's what he made famous, but it works great for a whole bunch of species. It's got the nice ass of wrap on it. What uh, Acris reel are you using? Oh, it's the Acris reel, quantum Acris. Oh, okay, gotcha. Quantum accurate. So yeah. is that like a it's like a freshwater bait style, right? It is, yeah. yeah it's got oh, that cool. uh, flipping switch on it, so yeah, you can push it down, drop your bait down the bottom, and as soon as you let off that spool, you're already engaged. And a lot of those times, those sea bass are so aggressive that first second jig, you already got a fish on. I got a little confession to make. I think my next purchase, actually, especially you saw that rod I had downstairs that I want to build. Yep. It's a lot lighter than I wanted to for up here. So I was talking to Fallon the other day, talking to you. I think I'm going to make it into a, a toggin, black sea bass, squidden type of rod for when I fish the Cape. And the first thing that went through my mind when I shifted from striped bass up here to doing that was I wanted to get like a freshwater style bait caster. So a tranks might be in my might be in my uh, equation pretty soon here. That'd be a nice little reel for that. That actually, that rod action would be phenomenal for a sea bass. A nice light rod, you know, put on like maybe ten pound test on yeah. that reel. I've always looked at the Nexuses, too, for up here. Like, I've always wanted to take a look at them. I know Kittery has them around here, maybe a couple other places. But, uh, 
you know, they're nice rods. I was about to put them on my charters. Yeah, they're actually really nice rods. Good money. Like, they're not terribly expensive. And, yeah. Uh, the well-built, I mean, for a while there, you couldn't even get those rods. I had to wait for a year for mine. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I mean, they come out of Jersey, out of Jigging World, so yeah. they, I don't know if it was a supply chain issue or what, but it took a long time to get the rod. But yeah. I ordered it in May, and I got it in after the season was over that first year. Oh, no kidding, yeah, huh? Yeah, it sucked. COVID? Was that a COVID buy? I think that was the first year of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. But... Oh, that's a whole nother conversation another yeah, day trying to get the fish in here yeah Seriously. <laughs> all right so keep going all right yeah. so your first fish was the sea bass in the springtime yep and then i uh believe it or not same time i uh that time of year they get that big push of big porgies scop up into the buzzes bay as well yeah so i was actually tog fishing and that's in that spring tog bite we have and uh using crab on a on a jig head and stuck at night almost what was it 17 and a half inch point yeah, 17 half inch porgy. So that was like a two pound pork chop. To that place? Yeah, that took uh, second place. That took the second place? It took the fish of the month, which is another aspect of the tournament, which is uh, they call it the fish of the month. Every month is assigned a fish. And then what you do is that you would actually uh, you target that fish. And the biggest fish caught during that fish of the month period gets a $100 gift card to uh, Yak Attack. So. Oh, nice. So it's so it's a little tournament within the tournament. Yep. So yep. how do you document these fish for the tournament? Do you take them, measure them, photo them? Yep. They uh, at the once you register, you you can print out the um, the yearly card for the tournament, and I just put it in a plastic bag. You can laminate them if you want or something like that. Keep it from the water, get it, and then you can just on a bump board, you take a picture of the fish, mouth against the end, obviously get an accurate measurement. Don't pinch the tail or nothing like that. Fish is as it lies, and then you throw that uh, tournament card in with the year, so that way they know they're not. Use them last year. Not double dipping. Yeah. yeah. And then you uh, you take a picture with your phone, you email it in. It's pretty easy. Oh, yeah. That's and, good. And then they, you know, if they need to make an adjustment due to the mouth of the fish being open or whatever, they'll email you and say, hey, we got to take a, a deduction on it of a quarter inch, half inch, something like that, just to make it fair. Yeah. You know. Now, do they, do they give you, award you points based on where you finish, like at the end of the month or... Like, how does that work? Is it a point system, or is it just the top three biggest, and then if you place in different categories, whoever placed the most, or is there points assigned to each value? So each first-place fish in the category gets three points You know, for each species. The yeah. second place gets two. The third place gets one. And then, so you got the, like, the fish of the month is the tournament within the tournament, as we said. And then you have the, there's an also another end of it, which is the biggest fish of the category gets a, Awesome rod and reel combo. It's a Fenwick um, HMJ inshore, and it comes with the uh, Pen Clash three, four thousand size, and some um, Berkeley braid X nine. Nice. It might be X five. I can't remember. And then, so the biggest fish at the end of the season in each category gets that rod. The biggest fish of the month gets that hundred dollar gift card during yep. their fish of the month period, and then the cumulative points from the three, two, one, first, second, third place. Is what goes for the first, second, third prizes, and this year was the the first prize was the twenty twenty one Hobie Outback Paya color. That was the first prize, and it came with the uh, Malone set of wheels on it, so you can move your kayak around. The oh. second place was the Humminbird Gen three Helix nine. Nice, great, great fish finder. Big Humminbird fans here. You got me and Dan both have Humminbirds on our boat. Yeah, we're and Chris and I both run Solixes. I do hear the Helix, though, for a kayak. It's, like, absolutely perfect. Oh, I mean, it, it looks a little silly when I got a 9-inch 
helix on the on the mount and my uh, kayak. But I tell you what, that side scan, that the mega imaging, that detail on that is just outstanding. Yeah. So the, tell us a little bit about the setup that you use for the year. You know, because I just think of when I think of kayak fishing, um, probably about 10, 12, 15 years ago, I was. I said to myself, I want to get a kayak. I want to go and drop a flats, catch some stripers. And I went to Dick's Sporting Goods, and I bought something that had rod holders in it and was camo. thing weighed a million pounds, yep. and it was the absolute worst kayak I've ever had. <laughs> my worst boat I've ever been in in my life. And I'm sure technology has changed dramatically. So, Oh, yeah. So now the, the Hobies have this great thing, which what you do is you, it's just a – it's because now everybody's using that side scan. Side scan, it only works below the water, like the hull line of your boat, you know. So if it's, if it's recessed at all, you're not going to get that clarity out to the side. Because like typically on. kayaks, they used to, used to have a little recess place where you could put your transducer, correct? correct. Yeah. So that, that doesn't work for people who don't understand, who have never seen a side scan transducer. It's basically almost a foot long. So, like, if you're on a boat and you put it on your transom, it sticks out about a foot. And when you're in a kayak, that poses a problem. So I'm learning something new here. Keep going. Yep. So they call it the guardian plate. What you do is that there's actually a toggle that you pull it back into the boat. So if you if say if you're uh, beaching your kayak at the ramp or onto sand or something like that or onto rocks, you know, if you're doing a surf launch, you pull that toggle cord and it pulls that transducer up into that recessed cavity. Oh, so it doesn't so, get damaged. Exactly, because you, you, if you ding up that 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 size scan transducer, you're out, you're out 500 bucks. And you're never going to mock a, a fish out the side of the boat ever again with that transducer. So, and then when you get on the water, you, once you start floating, you just knock it out of that little uh, clamp on cleat kind of thing. Okay, you know, yeah. Knock it out of there and it drops right down with the bungee cords. And now you get yourself a, the, uh, that transducer drops down. You can get that clarity off the side. You know? Yeah. So, and it makes a big difference. You can actually see if you pull it in, if in the kayak, if, like, <laughs> yeah, launch, you, can, you can see that the, the entire image changes, gets all staticky and all that when you pull it up in. So it, it, it shows you that it works. Yeah. So with, I, the, with the transducer down, is, has it ever, ever interfered with uh, fighting a fish? Like an Albie screaming on the other side of the kayak? or No, just the fins. The fins, you can you can really do some damage with braid and those fins, you know, because the Hobie runs that Mirage Drive. Yep, so it's a pedal drive kayak? Correct, yeah. Okay. So hands-free, which is really what you need. You need to have a hands-free kayak because when you're sitting in the tide line, Watching that, waiting for those albies to come up, you know, you want to be ready to zing that cast across those feet and fish when they pop up because they're only up for 10 seconds, if that, you know. So hands-free, you put up, you situate yourself in a tie line, the fish come up, you're already casting into them. So, but the caveat is you got those 12-inch fins below the deck of your boat, so you hook up. Sometimes, if you're not paying attention, you know, that fish can run across those, your rudder or... You can run over your own lines and stuff like that, but as long as you pay attention, you know, you'll be fine. And I mean, I like using those seven foot rods so I can go around the bow of the boat. I can dip that rod down to keep it clear of the running gear. Um, do you feel, and then just because I know my experience with science scan since I put it on my boat, I think I've had science scan now for about four or five years. And I know for me, it does a really nice job showing fish. We don't have a whole lot of structure up here where it's been like super beneficial because we don't really have an inshore bottom fishery for black sea bass and for tatog and things like that. Even flounder so much, it probably wouldn't be incredibly useful for. But like I do it on the side of bait balls, on little rock out pilings, uh, drops off on the edge of the flats, definitely. Yep. And I know me now, like if I go into Joppa Flats to go fishing, 
I'll do a circle or two around with my side ski, and if I don't see anything, I'm not even putting a line in the water half the time because it's so – if you don't mark anything, yeah, you, you sometimes get some fish, but when you do mark them, you know they're there right. and they'll bite. No bite. It's all about that confidence. You know, you, you know, put that bait in the water, you, you'd like to know there's something there. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. The side scan has revolutionized the game. There's no there's no doubt about that. Well, they even got that uh, that new system they came out with this year. What's that? It's the directional. The Mega 360? Yeah, that yeah. stuff is, that's crazy. I was talking to a guy today, ice fishing. He says that, yeah, just put it down. If I look, I see fish, I fish. If I don't see fish, I keep moving. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of guys doing that with the ice. They just drop it down, do a quick, yeah, drill the hole, drop it down, yep. see what's going on down there. Oh, well, on to the next one. <laughs> it's it's crazy how far it's come. I mean, multifaceted tech tool, dude. Eight. And it's gone way down in price over the years too. I mean, the fact that you're using it on a seven inch screen, seven or nine. I get the nine. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely probably want to. If you're gonna run side scan, definitely nine would be the smallest. I recommend. Yeah. I'm bumping up. I I ran two tens because I didn't think they would fit in my on my dash. But after I got my boat, it's clear that two twelves will. So I ordered one twelve and maybe another one in the spring. Nice. But I got the twelve basically for my side scan just so I can see it a little bit more. I mean, it lives on my screen. It really does. The detail is outstanding. It's just yeah, absolutely. Especially like when you you got to get the fine tuning in. You know, when you, with depth, like how far do you shoot it? You know, mm -hmm. like how, how how far do you typically shoot your transducer? Transducer. So I leave it on the auto setting myself. I mean, yeah. It, what I'm doing with it, it's just I'm looking for the rock piles. I don't need to see you know what's really you know the detail of that rock pile. As long as I know that you know it's I'm in there. this I'm in this in this mud flat, and then there's an isolated rock or a couple rocks or. This is where the edge of that rock comes into the the mud coming down off the off the uh, the ledge. You know that's the areas I focus on. So that, that's really what I'm looking for because st stuff like tog, you're not going to be seeing tog. Yeah. Up above the rocks, like you would a sea bass. Sea bass, you know, you can you can mark sea they're, bass. They're up high, man. They, they're I aggressive. Mean, yeah, they're very aggressive fish. Yeah. I remember the first time I had fish. I think I was fishing at the Hooter, down at off of Falmouth, and we were trolling for Benito. And we couldn't get away from black sea bass in like 20 feet of water. They were coming right up and hitting these little like shallow divers. I couldn't believe it. How like I never, had any, I never had any experience with that. Um, six knots, five, six knots. Right. Like we were flying. Right. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't I, believe it. It was really cool. They get so aggressive at times when they're on the sand eels and stuff like that in the springtime that you can catch black sea bass on like subsurface like or even poppers. You could pop. I've caught black sea bass casting epoxy jigs for albies. Yeah, yeah, we you, caught you, a couple last yeah, year. Yeah, we got a few last year. You're burning that across the top, and next thing you know, you get that that little swirl, and you're like, well, that was weird. And you sit the hook, and you bring in this you know, 12-inch black sea bass. They're just super aggressive animals. And you got the biggest one. Yeah, I did. <laughs> was that the biggest one for the year or for the month? That was the biggest one for the year, but that was tied with another guy. Another guy caught one a few months later, but because the tiebreaker. Yeah, the tiebreaker comes to the, the date you, you catch it first, and then. Yeah. So it's funny comment about the the black sea bass though when fishing for the for the albies because every time I'd hook a, hook a black sea bass I just say to myself I'm not reeling fast enough for albies. <laughs> yeah, I love. I mean, I, I saw you got you got into them this year, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We went down there. Where yeah. did you guys go off of Falmouth there? Uh, yeah, South Yarmouth. South Yarmouth. Yeah. Yarmouth. Yeah. Oh my god, it was, it was a great year down there because luckily for us this year and this brings me to my my albie catch. The the bait this year early. For what at least what I saw. So what's early for you when you go down there? I like to target them the first day of September. That's my date. Oh, that's early because we usually go down Labor Day weekend. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. So yeah, so right around there. Yeah, so I guess it's the still end early. of the first week of the month. Yeah. yeah. So this year the bait was uh, 
the, the juvenile blueback herring or, 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 or peanut bunk or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. And uh, those bigger profiles made that fishery explode. And I think that's why we didn't see those fish in Rhode Island this year. Like in the years past, I, I caught Albies in Rhode Island off of Sakana Point, you know, in front of Newport. It seems that those fish just didn't, didn't happen this year. The bait, while there was bait there, it wasn't the bait that we had off of, like, say, Falmouth, you know, South yeah. Falmouth, in the, inside of Vineyard Sound. The amount of bait that I saw this year, that silver bait, all peanut bunker. Yeah. Made those Albies feed. Well, they were just a little bit of a bigger profile, which yep. was easier to match. Correct. You know? So that's always very helpful. Whenever any fish gets on something super tiny, man, it can get tricky. Right. You got to pull it, go into the bag of tricks for those guys. Yeah, yep. those bay anchovies. You well, know. it is pretty funny when you bring the albie on the boat, though. They'll tell you what you're what they're eating. Spit, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. spit it right at you. The wear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do. Like machine guns. You got to take cover. <laughs> uh, and that's what I was seeing. I was seeing a lot of, you know, but the, the size difference, too. I was seeing, I was seeing like one inch peanut bunker. I was seeing three inch peanut bunker coming out of the same fish. Yeah. It was just the perfect year for that area. What leader size are you fishing or starting off? You're starting off your day. What are you using for leader? To be honest, I never changed off 15 this year. Yeah. Yeah, I usually stick around 12 to 15. Yeah. And then if I got I got one rod set up for 10, if everything's light, I can just cast right. that out. I mean, yeah, I, are we talking Albie still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually had eight pound on, on at the end of it. Yeah. Ooh. And then I had an absolute demon fish. It took like 45 minutes to get <laughs> I had yeah. one this year that it, was, it wasn't even that big. It, it just, this, this son of a bitch wanted to go to Martha's Vineyard. I swear to God, I, yeah. I, I actually ended up on this fight. I fought the thing for probably 20 minutes. And it was just a demon fish just like that. And I ended up halfway across the sound. I was like, I was probably close to the mouth of this vineyard at the end of it. Going on your vineyard sleigh ride? Yeah, oh, it was something else, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so I actually had a 12-pound on there, and I was, it was awesome. And then a bluefish bit off my leader, and I reached for the first thing I could grab. That was fluorocarbon, and it was the 8-pound. And I'm like, all right, let's give it a whirl. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's one for you. Do you uh, use the TA clips, the tactile clips? Yeah. I, I don't see a difference. I, it didn't make a difference this year for me. I think it actually, it's a lot easier when you switch it from bait to bait. Yeah, absolutely. You can change your colors, you know, what's working. It makes it makes everything yeah. quick. It's just a quick release. And then, you know, because you obviously you want to do with the, the loop knots, if, yep. you know, to get the action on there. But I think it makes the same action. And ultimately, I mean, they're bright, shiny, and silver through the clips. It's not, right. didn't really inhibit anything. But also, you're skipping those jigs across the water. So how much of it can it, can it actually see? Correct. Right. That's yeah. how I feel about it, too. Yep. You know, whereas like the Albi snacks, like I feel like I was catching a lot of fish on the drop of the Albi snack, kind of throw it in and boom, you got one. It's funny you mentioned that because I use TA clips on like everything. I do it on my striper stuff, even like some of my live bait rods. Like if I'm fishing no weight, I'll have a TA clip so I can swap out a leader or put a popper on or whatever if I have to. Um, but when I fish Albies, I have a light rod that's always with my Albi snack. And because the... I can't get it to clip in real quickly, so I just say F it, and I just tie a knot. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones, like if I take a couple casts and I'm not getting any hit off the metal, I'll just take one of those, and I'll play around my retrieve. I'll, I hit one definitely last year. I cast it, and I just let it drop for like five seconds, and it got hit on the drop. Yep. So, And it's funny that the TA clip conversation just came up because I, uh, I don't use it for that. It's weird. I wouldn't use it for the. It's a finesse. That's more yeah. of a finesse fishery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I bought a rod specifically for those this year. I bought What'd you a, get for your specific rod? Uh, the Carbon Shield 276. Ooh, Tsunami? Tsunami, yeah. I love the Tsunami rods. Dude, I, me too. I, good, I've always liked price, you can't. You really can't beat it. Exactly. Yeah. I run them on my charters. I run the Tsunami rods on my charters. Yep. I feel, this is going to be probably my third year with them. They're great. And they're relatively pri 
good price point. Yeah. What is it? Eighty nine bucks for a carbon shield tube right now, or right. something like that. Maybe ninety bucks, ninety nine. Yeah, everything you're looking for, can't beat it, man. I mean, they they run Fuji like uh, Fuji, the guides of Fuji, yeah. the uh, the real seat. I mean, the real seat's phenomenal. I yeah. love that aluminum real seat. You know, you're not getting it gunked up. It's not that crap composite. You know, it feels good in your hand. It, it's a light rod. It, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a good rod. The the guides are a little bit soft. You know, you can bend the guides if you if you're not they careful. They single foots on those. They're single foots. Yeah, the single yeah. foots. You know, and they come out to the to the guy with the the, the, the V. But yeah, they're not the but. You're sacrificing the weight for the yeah, exactly. So. I mean, when you're fishing things like tog and sea bass and albies, yeah, that's you what want I want to be to light. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the togs. I'll actually. I, I use a. Uh, it's a rod I've been using for years. Things held up like a champ. It's the the Mojo Saint Croix Mojo. Oh. In choice, heavy. That rod. I I bought it for fluke uh, bucktailing years ago, and now it's my go-to tog rod. It's got a five thousand series stratic on it, and. and 25-pound braid. Which Stratic do you have on it? Do you have the new one, the FK? Oh, I can't afford that. Oh, that's an... I got a couple, I got a set of those lat, uh, two years ago. I love them. I love those. Those are the... I've always liked Stratics. Those ones have taken the cake compared to the other Luanos. Yeah, my LB setup is actually... I have two of them, and it's the, Stra- the Stratic 5Ks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I built a um, Black Hole... Eight foot Suzuki Ultralight, the specials. Yeah, the Black Hole uh, Suzuki specials. Yeah, <laughs> and I like it just because it's a it's a longer rod than I'm used to fishing on a boat, but uh, it's nice to be able to throw those epoxy jigs like a mile. Right, you know, it'll actually take a lighter line weight and a li- lighter lure, mm-hmm. so three eighths is no no issue whatsoever. You can throw the thing like close to it's like seems like a hundred yards anyway. With an LB stack, that'd be a great rod because yeah. those LB stacks are so light, mm-hmm. you can't get really distance, you know. With a with an epoxy jig XO jig, you can cast that thing a damn mile. But with that lighter stuff, those soft plastics that you know, when those fish are just finicky, yep, those those long rods will get it out there. You know, it makes a difference. I tell you what, the proportion of fish I catch on an Albi snack compared to anything else is is pretty high. Yeah, like I'll throw it a little bit. I mean, like you said, they don't cast far, so like I kind of save it if I have an opportunity when the fish are close to the boat and I take a couple casts and they, they haven't hit the metal. Mm-hmm. It's almost like clockwork. That next cast with an Albi snack gets bit. Yep. So, and you know, I was actually surprised because when we were about to make the trip to the Cape, uh, I was like, we're going to get some Albi snacks around here. And I went to Surfland, and they had every single color and they had, they had the hooks, they had everything. And in talking with them, they became a popular schoolie striper bait. Oh, wicked. People yeah. throwing them off the beach. Like, so it's a good all around it's little secret here. That, that, that's my. We were catching slot size and just under fish this past year on Albi snacks. Um, actually, my buddy next to me got a 47 inch fish wow. on an Albi snack um, in the river. And that was kind of like a little go to. Like, if things, if they weren't hitting, if they were like mid column, you know, mm-hmm. they're not busting on top. You know, you see some birds, you see a few bait flashing, you're marking them. That Albi snack fish kind of slowly was absolutely killer using white of course it's the only color that's the only color yeah. i use for amber anything. amber alley snack works pretty good but i'm mostly white on yeah. everything until something tells me something different i was gonna say were they on uh now that's just thinking about it you know you get this profile you get that white profile it's it's a great peanut bunker imitation you think it was dropped like the drop backs of the uh of the river herring and the pogies yeah definitely i don't even really know i think i just always call them silver sides they're like little inch and a half two inch mm-hmm. um little fish i don't even really know what they are i don't yep. think they're herring they're too small for herring that time of year um 
Yeah, I think they're silver sides. Yeah. Um, but like Albi snacks are great for those. Um, crippled herrings, like a one yeah. ounce crippled herring is also. I I like fishing metal in general. Like I do when I have that opportunity. I, we cut some nice fish drift in the mouth, goofing around. I threw out like a four ounce uh, type of uh, metal. And we were catching some nice fish on it, like a bonus fish. It's a versatile bait. Yeah, you can fish them. You can fish them on the top if you reel them fast. You can fish them on the bottom as a jig. You yep. can fish them in the mid column, just just reel and slow. I mean, you can fish those anywhere in the water column, and it's 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 like if you have one bait, like some sort of metal jig might be the way to go because it's so versatile and it's yep. just it's just a shiny thing that something's gonna eat. Yep. You know, if you had one thing. Oh, if you were stranded on your boat without power and you had one lure to feed you. Yeah, yeah, it might be. <laughs> that would, that would yeah. be the one. I mean, that would be the one. You could catch anything on on a, on a, a pack of sluggos, but that might. You, yeah, you know, how, long, how long am I out there? You know, right? Short lived. You know, it takes only one bluefish to cut it in half. And right. So, all right, let's get so back yeah, to you, Justin. Digressing back into the topic with the uh, the <laughs> kayak fishing. So you live currently live in Lowell, and it sounds to me like you're traveling a lot to the Cape and Rhode Island. Like, how much time are you actually spending on the water? Like, oh. how much are you getting out? Well, because that's a haul. It's a haul. So I did 37 trips this year, 37 wow. in my log. I, I, I document everything. Just down there. Just just on the kayak. You know, I yeah. did some other trips. You know, to Carolina and stuff. Like That's not included. Mm-hmm. But 37 trips this year, back and forth from from Lowell to. How about a, it was like an hour and a half drive? Yeah, pretty much. You pretty know, much. it depends on where I'm going. Early in the in the spring, when the togger up in the bay, you know, towards Mount Hope Bay, and taut in that area. Like I can fish, I can get there like an hour, an hour ten, which is really nice but if i fish my usual spots you now i uh anywhere down the at the end of narragansett bay or inside of falmouth you know it's like uh vineyard sound those are all hour half trips yeah so what i do is i i, I come home from work i work uh 3 30 to 11 30 so i'll come home from work I'll p.m sleep, yeah. yeah and then I'll, I'll i'll sleep for like two hours the kayak's already loaded the day before because it's the last thing you want to do is wake up and Trust yourself to put a kayak on a roof of a car and then drive an hour and a half with it. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I'll drive down. I'll, I'll try to be there for before light. You know, you, if you're gonna fish, if you're gonna do it, you got to do it right. Get there before the sun even creeps up over the horizon line. Get on the water. Man, is that not like the number one fishing tip you could tell anybody? Like, oh, you want to fish? Yeah, start your day before it gets light out. Yeah. Sometimes I tried to get char- I had a, I had a few charters that actually left it with me at four thirty in the morning this year. And they probably were probably some of your best charters of the year. Um, well, it's always nice absolutely. when you're out there waiting for the fish to wake up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You got your bait in the first fifteen minutes of the light, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're fishing. Yeah. You know, and it's it's great. I I always will be in the parking lot with the kayak off the car wherever I am before half an hour, like before. Sunrise, half an hour for sunrise. Yeah. I want to be on the water. So what's like the furthest you've ever paddled to be successful with the fishing? Oh, I've, I've, in the past, I've, I've been silly and gone three and a half miles offshore with that kayak. I don't do that anymore. Are you getting old or something? <laughs> Between getting old and getting smarter. Um, if, Your life insurance won't cover you? That's it, yeah. They'll, they'll consider it a suicide if I die out there. Um, it, it's just a lot of this inshore fishery is literally within a mile of the launches like a lot of my fishing i've done this year with was with three quarters of a mile from where i launched and you don't need to go much further than that you just gotta find the bait find the structure find for whatever fish you're doing it's it's all right there you know yeah it would be nice to do a, a beach launch somewhere and, and and find some more remote stuff where you'd have to have a boat to get to yeah that'd be great i'm sure the fishing's probably good as good or better but you can make it happen with 
minimal amount of work, you know? Just I mean, your proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Because you worked. got the biggest black sea bass. You yep. got the second biggest scup, you said? That's right, yep. All right, keep going with the oh, story. Okay. So the LB, I get the second biggest LB this year. Like, I think it was 27 and a quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Oof. It's a good one. That's a big yeah. Albie, dude. Dude, and that's, and that's just, that's laying it flat. That's no f- pushing the tail over. That's on the board. That was, that's what that was. I didn't even think to measure any of the ones we got. The early fish this year were very big. Yeah. Like, when those fish first showed up in the first week of September, that's when we I got my big ones. And then you got your 23, 24 inches, you know, your typical, like, yeah. you know. What'd you get that Albie on? Uh, the XO jig. I what color? White? Silver. Silver. It just happened to match the hatch. Yeah. Match that hatch. Like the bait this year, where I was fishing was those peanut bunker mm-hmm. or those fall, you know, those river herring coming out of the. Out I of think the, I caught a lot of mine this year on the brown and silver. It wasn't well, olive? It was like a brown color. And every, well, everything I caught, I caught a. Uh, it was uh, either on a white albie snack or it was a, a white white epoxy jig. Yeah. yeah. You can't go wrong with white, but yeah. when those fish are on those bay anchovies, that brown is. Yeah, the next best thing. That was because I was fishing all, white and I snapped all over the brown, though. and then I got like three for three in a row after that. It was yep. awesome. You got to all admit it though. When we go into the tackle shop, we need every color in the tackle. Oh, box, absolutely, right? dude. My hoagie <laughs> order is ridiculous. No, I bet. Yeah, your electric chickens, which were very popular last year. This year, I didn't even. It didn't even touch water. I have so many electric chickens and pinks and whites and yep. greens and blues. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I do like the green though. I got to say that I, I I've caught fish on the green. Yeah, the, I've, I've, the pink one of the 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 heavy minnow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the heavy minnow is a good one too. Yeah, had some had some success there. Something else that was that was really good this year is that. The, how about those Spanish mackerel? I don't know if you guys got into them. Did we get one this year? Uh, no, that was two two, two years two ago. Years ago, there was one day this year I went and I've never caught a Spanish mackerel before in my life. I've seen them jump in, you know, not the kings, you know, I know some kings down kicking around the. Uh, Definitely a Spanish mackerel. One day I went. I, it was the best LB day, best Spanish mackerel day of my entire life. I mean, I, I think I went five for I went five for five on on LBs, and that's the day I get the big fish. Nice. And then on the way back in, I, I went two for two on on Spanish, and one of them was twenty eight inches. I, oh I sh- wow! I showed you that picture. Yeah, that's I think you nice sent me fish. the pic. Please, that, please tell me you took it home. Oh yeah, delicious, right? My God! And not only that, when you cut that fish, that that fish was like was just. Beautiful white meat for whatever yeah. reason. I must oh, have, it was white. What well, was? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't not, eat fish anymore. It's not like a king so. mackerel. When you cut a king mackerel, it's gray. Yeah. I mean, the meat's gray the minute you cut that fish open. But yeah. like that Spanish mackerel, and especially when they get that big. Yeah, and it's funny to get them all, that we get them all the way up here because you know I'm used to in Tampa we'd fish for the Spanish max. Yep. And uh, you know get as many as we can and go home and have a nice feast. Yeah. Delicious white meat fish. Great fish. Did, did I tell you I caught a keeper fluke last year? Here in the river? In the river, yeah. Oh, man. And then a week later, Pete got one in the parker. Really? Yeah. It's it's nice that Massachusetts has a 17-inch, right? I in believe Mass- so, yeah. yeah I had, I had to look it up. I had to look it up. I didn't know. It beat, whatever it was, we beat it by an inch. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, an 18-inch fluke has got a decent amount of meat on it. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was fun to cut. That's for sure. I haven't done yeah. that in a while. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you get two fillets out and it still wants to flop off the cutting board. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, what I was talking about, though, with the fluke, it's like when you when you fillet a fluke or you fillet a flounder, 
you know, it, they just don't ever seem to want to stop moving. Yeah, that's true. Right? And you can just continue to take, because you get four fillets out of them, and you continue to take them out. And then you're down to the last one, and the thing still wants to jump off right. the cutting board. L- listen, Dan, me and Justin are going to educate you about cutting flounder. Wait, yeah, we do it with two fillets, brother. Yeah, try try doing it with 200 flounder on the boat with a 12-minute oh. ride back to the dock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the worst. So No, I like those trips, man. Those were the those were the money makers on those trips, man. Those half my, days. My favorite trip working on the park. Boats, you know, we did haddock, and back then you can keep cod. We did bluefish trips, which were the worst. Awful, yeah. <laughs> dogfish beating trips is what those were. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah, well, we don't have that anymore. We don't have any inshore dogfish. I those know. that's one thing I can be Thank okay with God. getting rid of. But when those, like, I remember Wednesday mornings, we used to have a crew. There'd be eight guys that all knew each other. Yeah, I'd be the only one working deck, working the galley. Yeah, put them all in the back. I'd fish with them. Throw fish in their buckets, they catch them. They'd be having their beers, having fun. We'd limit out, and then we'd go fish for mackerel because we had nothing yeah. else to do. We were at our limit, and I used to walk off those trips making some pretty good money, dude. It, like it was worth it. It was awesome. Those are probably the for the half day trips. Those are the money. Like those are the money trips. And then you go on a bass trip and make four dollars oh, if God. you caught some keepers. <laughs> yeah. You could you could beat on this. You could have a great day, beat on the schoolies. Everybody's caught like four or five schoolies, and we're like, oh, this is gonna be a good trip, you know? They're gonna tip us out, you know? You get like two nickels and a quarter on the way off, and you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, those are always the hottest trips to work. So everyone, I know you guys who fish in the mouth of the Merrimack, and you see the party boats, and I know a lot of people don't like it. They're actually really good about keeping uh, space and stuff. But if you understood what it was like working on those boats, it was a hard job for, you know, you got 30 people on one side of the boat and the tangles and all that. It was was tough to keep things in control. Especially especially being in the mouth of the river. If anybody's familiar with the river, it's... A very crowded river during the summertime, especially on the on the favorable tides. Yep. And then, wouldn't you know it? You have to jog. You know, you got to you got to throttle those boats to keep tight. Try to keep that drift nice so that the lines are going away from the boat. You know, you're not trying to have the line shoot towards the stern, towards the bow. And then what you end up finding is that you get that one guy who hooks the bow somehow. Who knows how it happens? It, I can't figure it out. The guy in the pulpit is stuck with the guy back in the stern corner. Right. And then you got to put the boat in gear to move it out of the way of the, you know, the, the 30 other tin boats that are surrounding the boat at that point. And then next thing you know, you got this guy saying, I got this huge bass, oh, it's huge, big fish on. And and, the, and it's, it's really just a 90-foot Lydia. I uh, really wish that when, <laughs> when we were haddock fishing on those boats, right, and I'm on like midship on the port side, you're midship on the starboard side, and we're yelling at each other of two guys who are under the boat caught, hey, let line. No, I got a big fish. No, you don't. I got a huge fish. Don't tell me what to do. And it would be 10 minutes of that. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, you guys yeah. ever, you ever see any fist fights? Anyone get a little too drunk? Uh, I've gotten ooh. into words with people, but I never, I never fought. Anybody. I had to break one up on a bachelor party. I think it was Fallon's first trip driving the the George, oh, and awesome. it was like you couldn't see the pulpit of the boat in the fog, and these guys were absolutely slosh coming onto the boat. Yeah, there was a big mackerel fight. Like literally, I had to get on the top deck of the George at the end of the day and sweep mackerel off the top of the top of the thing and two guys there were about to get into a fight i threw out some drugs it was it was a great day oh, i'll tell awesome. you oh yeah <laughs> and I, i'm sure you made probably like uh five dollars on the walk off yeah i think someone's like i don't know oh are we supposed to tip you and he gave me like five bucks oh yeah, yeah but it's uh, it is what it is uh, what are you gonna do you know what though not for nothing that was my favorite job i ever had in my life i had so much fun on those boats with you guys dude how do we even have the energy for that we we go to work at like <laughs> five in the morning 
we we'd work until the last end of the booze cruise that night, which would be get off at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Yep. And then somehow we'd have the energy to go to like Haverhill Chit Chat Lounge and Hans Garden to get yeah. high ties. Already go fishing. Yeah, we either go, go fishing, night yeah. fishing or go to the bar, <laughs> and then just like yeah, whatever. Back at it again tomorrow at six. Yep. It's called youth, gentlemen. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there was we were I think we had just gotten out of college. Yeah, because I was living with Mike. So Ryan needed a couple a couple of people to help out like on an April weekend. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll go work deck for you. Dude, that ride home, me and Mike were like, I can't go back there. How do we do this? I am so sore. I'm ready for bed. Yep. Like, I can't handle this, man. We used to do this every day and then go fishing on top of it. Absolutely out of control. Yeah. <laughs> Especially those first few trips of the year when it's always shitty and like, and like, well, we fish in April for those haddock, like that. Yeah. We used to have like the big haddock run in the spring, which is now all year. Uh, this haddock fishery has turned into something special, man. I'm telling you, it's because uh, the the cod fishery population is certainly down. There's no there's no denying that the, the population has dropped. Um, to what extent I don't know, but I think I those you, haddock I, fill I the niche. I am seeing. I feel like I'm seeing less out there. Less than, cod. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not out there all. I'm there in the spring a lot. After the spring, you know, just bycatch from shark fishing mostly. Yeah. But well, it's just spotty. Like that <clears throat> last year when we were out there in the spring, we were, we filled our limit with haddock. We well, we just about filled our limit with haddock, and when we were on the way in, we stopped at another spot, and all we were catching were cod. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it could be fishing the certain rocks. You know, those, those haddock like the mud. They love the mud. They, they do. Love, they just root in the mud all day long. So you, you go to the top of the ledge and, and all that mud bottom, you know, and you, you find them. But then you go to the edge and, you know, you're fishing that, that drop off and, or you're fishing the hard rocks. And you're, you're finding those cask. You're finding those codfish. Yeah, I do find, though, you get smaller pockets of bigger haddock, though, when you're up on the, when you're the, near the edge. Yeah. So that, that's why, that's one reason I do like when I get a good drift. I will take it on that deep side of that mm-hmm. le- of that drop from the f- high ground. And a lot of times once we start getting to, like, 170, 190, you know, we'll pick off some of our bigger haddock there yep. before we drop off. Um, but, yeah, it's just a it's a fun fishery. It's a fun fishery, and I like it when we go out there. You know, we don't the the docks at Cashman's and the ramps aren't even in, so we power launch it. You know, I'll have Dan drop me off, and then he'll park the car, and I'll pick him up downtown. And when you go out there, there's only five other boats, right? And they're all buddies of ours because <laughs> yeah. we're we're absolute psychos out there. <laughs> right. But forty five degrees on a nice day with no wind out there, it's the most beautiful day of the year. At least the best one you got in the last six months. Yep. And you're yep. out there fishing, you're filling the cooler and having a great time. Oh and, and what is it? What's the limit now? It's uh, 15, fifteen fish, 15, right? Yeah, fifteen. It's seventeen inches now? Seventeen. Yeah. Dude, we keep we we'll see how things go. Like we'll be like, all right, let's only keep eighteens moving on. Right. And we'll still we'll still limit out in an hour with five right. five people. You, you don't have any clams anymore. It's they're they're anything you throw down out there. Jake's Ooh, you know what we've been using? I don't know if I want to say it on the podcast. Shrimp? Nope. I have used shrimp before, and they do work pretty well. It's a one-bite deal, though. As soon as you get a hit, it's Well, this is the complete opposite. I could fish this piece of bait literally all day. Shoe leather? What do you think? Salted clams. Realistically, salted clams would probably be my best guess. Salted clams. Get out of here with that nonsense. Love them. I know. I do, too. You can't even get them anymore. I don't even know anyone. You can't them yourself. I don't even think Captain still uses salted. It's... It's to, it yeah. costs more. Yeah, it's something that we they're here. Oh, squid, squid, hundred percent. Yeah, squid has been a great Nailed. haddock bait. Dude. I think I literally took a bag of six squid just to have like extra because I was running low. And I think we did a charter last year, and on those six squid lasted me all day and had like two left over. Yeah, the nice thing about the squid is it's nice and tough, so it stays on the hook yeah. really well, and yeah. you can, it's like a bait you can reuse over and over again. Mm-hmm. 
I think you can add something to it too if you put it back in like the bucket or whatever. It's like probably like yeah. That. It seems like it's like a porous, you know. Yeah. I think it would hold on to scent too if you had like a. Well, yeah. Like think the, about think about how much sand they hold until you wash them down yeah. too. You know? All right. Oh, uh, what were we talking about? All right. So listen, we got your black sea bass. We got your scup. Yep. Which. We call scup up here, right? Yeah, porgies down like yeah. Long Island Sound, like porgy, you know, down the, south. Because the first time I ever saw them, I was fishing out of Long Island, and they called them porgies. Yeah. And then I, I always got confused, so it's scup from up here. All right, you got the scup. Yep. You got the albie. Yep. And then the tog. And then the tog. Now, I love tog fishing. God, it's the best. I am determined to find tog up here. I just don't have the time. I know where they are. It's just when they're there... I can't. I'm fishing. I'm doing right. other stuff. I'm gonna. I'm doing it this year. I don't care, dude. Don't. I, I wouldn't even. Honestly, it can happen. Yeah, Marblehead, Salem, anything with structure. I mean, we have plenty of rocks and and like the North Shore. Yeah. Like the structure is there. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years from now, we might have a really good fishery. We, I have, caught, we have an isolated fishery right now. I caught a bunch of sea bass last year. I'm breaking rock. Yeah, dude. You remember that? Like ten years ago, we were catching them over on the elbow at the jetty. That's right. In that deep in that deep water. There's... Yeah, I was surprised we came out of breaking. I even I was catching cod at breaking rock. Oh, I caught a ton I, of cod I at breaking rock to, this year. I used to do really well at breaking rock back in the day on mackerel jigs, yep. jigging the bottom. Just mm-hmm. and I would catch twenty four inch keepers back when those. Dude, we were catching them like high mid column. We'd be fishing for mackerel. It'd be you know eighty feet deep, whatever. Yep. We'd have our jigs down twenty, and I swear to God, we were catching cod, you know, twenty thirty feet down. That's awesome. I, I you got to love the fishery, like how it changes. Uh, but yeah. back to the tog. All right, so back to the yep. tog. This year was was that a Massachusetts fish or a Rhode Island fish? Uh, all my f- big ones this year were out of Rhode Island. I lost one in Massachusetts that I couldn't stop, but mm. uh, Rhode Island this year was lights out. I didn't get to go. Dude, I, I, I texted you. I was letting you know. It was like, listen, if you got time, do it. I don't have time. I was coaching football. But that's not happening anymore. So Yeah, right. Finally. But uh, the togfish, my God, this year was, was phenomenal. Um, I think I probably caught a dozen fish over 24 inches from that kayak. Nice. So you're looking at a six-pound-plus class of fish at that point. You know, once, once you hit 24 inches, that's what you're looking at. It's around six. Depends on male, female. You know, females, for whatever reason. Like, I caught a female that was... 24 inches, but she had to have gone nine pounds. I mean, wow, she was no square. Like, the fish was just, you looked at it, it was all paunch, huge back, little tail, little tiny head. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it was just, just the way she was built. But the males, were, this year, was I was catching these absolute chinas. I feel like Tog, like, no two look the same. Like, because they live in those rocks and they get beat up. I feel like every yeah. time I look at one, they're either a different color or their markings are different or something on them is messed up. Oh, dude, yeah. They, well, they, they get... They get beat up on those rocks, you know, and they got those big rubbery lips, you know, for, I, I'm assuming it's just because what they're feeding on, the crabs and stuff like that, they got to have that extra protection. Did you get yards on a jig or bait? All, well, all jigs and bait, you know, yeah. like, uh, even if you jig and tog, you're not yeah, really actually, on, it's not, not actually jigging. Yeah. It's just a, the means of delivering that, that, that crab to the, to the fish. My God, it was just good. Um, then the first, this is the first year I ever anchored up, like on my kayak. There's something I, I had an anchor. I had an anchor trolley for 10 years. I used it once to stop to take a picture of a fluke I caught, a big fluke, once. And, you know, you hear all this taboo, like, oh, don't anchor your kayak. You know, you're going to get yourself killed. You know, the current will suck you under. Like, there's, there's a lot of, you know, I wouldn't go anchoring in the Merrimack River in a kayak. Please don't. That's a dumb idea. But where I'm fishing is... It's maybe, open water. It's a yeah, maybe a half a knot current. Yeah. 
the only thing you got to worry about is the wake of that boat. Because yeah. and there's some big boats in that area that are cruising through. Right, right. Big boats. Yeah, because Narragansett Bay is where I was fishing this year, and uh, you do have a, quite a bit of coming down the East Passage, coming down the West Passage, and you get some you get some serious stuff coming down. So you, get, you do have to be careful with that. But I use a quick disconnect system. If I had to drop that anchor, I have a, uh, a lobster float tied to the very end of it, mm-hmm. wrapped around a, a keeper for the rope, and it's actually just attached to a carabiner around my anchor trolley. Yeah. So I just untie the from the cleat. Unclip it, ditch it. How deep can you anchor? Like how many? How much? This year I was I was anchoring up to like up to forty feet myself. Oh, nice. I, it's, it, you don't need much with the kayak. It's, yeah, yeah. I have a, like a five pound grapple and five fifty paracord. Yeah. No chain, nothing. Nice. And you're and you're in rock. You know, you're not you're not if you're not in sand. You know where yeah. you need that chain. Yeah. So, but I mean, I got God, the, the, the talk fishing this year. Any fish, any trip that I went, I was probably catching over a dozen, 15, 20 keepers. Yeah, it's insane. Probably 40 insane shorts. Fishery. Yeah. Um, very healthy fishery. I got a tag fish this year. It was pretty cool. What time of year did you get the big one? It was, uh, everything I caught was after October 15th. Okay. To, till November 30th. I was yeah. catching tog. That's what's awesome, man. They got a November fishery right off the docks. Like, literally, like, there's no travel. Three quarters of a mile from my launch point. Yeah, whereas, like, when we go in April, we got to run 25 miles out right. to Jeffrey's half the time. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, actually, we did an offshore. I went with Chris Ford this year yeah. um, in the springtime, and we got a 13-pound tog off this. Uh, I'm sorry, 14-pound tog. Wow. Off this off this wreck. 80 it, feet of water. This thing was ugly. Its chin extended past its face. It was it was just hideous. <laughs> if you guys listening right now have never caught a tog, just the first one you catch, when you reel it up and you see it, you're gonna be like, What? Yeah. That that's what I was just dealing with because pound for pound, man, do they fight. Bulldogs. They fight, man. They, yep. they they fight like like bluefish all the way up to the boat. I would say if I had to compare it to anything, I'd I'd call it a grouper. Yeah, 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 almost yeah, like a southern exactly, fish. Exactly what they remind me of the grouper. Yeah, they just want to. They want to go back to that piece of bottom. They don't want to be off the bottom. They, you know, y- you're fighting them for the first twenty or thirty feet. After you get them up above that point, it's you don't have to worry about them getting rocked again. But I've had fish see the kayak and go straight back down. I mean, don't give it. It does happen. When I go when I go fishing down there, I go with um, Greg Vespi, who's the president of uh, RISA, Rhode Island Sportsman Association. And man, what a fishy guy! And the precision that you need to be anchored up in to get onto your spot, like how much care goes into moving here, moving five feet to the right, yep. ten feet forward, and we do it with the trolling motor, which is super nice. I do not know how anybody down there in a boat fishes without a trolling motor. We uh, we went to one spot one day. I'll never forget this. And there's a guy who throws his anchor like two o'clock off our bow. Yep. And we're in like the swirly current on the edge, uh, edge of the channel. And as he's letting out road and he tightens up his chain, he comes across our bow, around the port side of the boat, yep. and finally sets off our stern anchor, the second anchor. at like at four o'clock off the off the stern. Yep. So we started at two, went counterclockwise around our boat, which thank God we had a trolling motor because our anchors would have got caught. Mm-hmm. And he swung back around and it's like, did he want to go there? I don't think he did. Where we're doing little six foot increments to move and find like, oh, this rock's good. Oh, this hole's good. Yep. You know, this one's got some bait on it. And just like you would think like, the precision of it is yeah. really incredible. And with the electronics, you know, with the hummingbirds and the Coastmaster, Coastmaster charts yep. and just the ability to press a button and go to the right or go to the left. Right. I, I do not understand 
how you fish down there competitively or, you know, do it a lot, that investment of a trolling motor in that fishery, it, it's huge. It's huge. Absolutely. I, I mean, you're in a kayak, so you got a light anchor. So I'm yep. pretty, I'm assuming you're not going way too far off where you want to go. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I had it down pretty good for I Once I set my anchor for the first time that day, I'd find my anchor heading. Yeah, yeah. Once I had my heading, I was pretty good because I could look at my chat. And look at my pre my previous track and yep. know where I drop my anchor here because I, I would do abrupt turns where I drop my anchor. Yeah. So I go like I drop it and then when I set my anchor I'd be I'm usually coming off at about a ninety degree angle off the off of like the broadside. Yeah. Yeah. And so you'd see that this is where I drop my anchor. This and you could actually you know mark it up with your fingers and and look at the uh, mm-hmm. the chart on the next spot and be like all right so I need to drop my anchor right here and do the same exact thing I just did there. But then the tide would change, you know, obviously, and then it wouldn't matter at all. But everything changes. Yeah. And you, or you'd swing across a spot, you'd have it really good. But building the bite for me was everything this year. Building the bite. Explain building that. The, building the bite. So I would cut all my crabs on the way out if I could, mm-hmm. you know, being, being the, the hobie, you have your, your, your pedal drive. As somebody who's grown up as a mate on a party boat, you know, myself included too. Getting things ready like that before a trip. Uh, why huge. would you spend time cutting crabs when that's all time your line could be in the water? Exactly. And and like you said, you get there early before light. That gives you ten minutes to get that all whacked up, put away. Yep. You're good for the day, and you're just picking them. So are you a half crab guy, or a quarter crab guy, or half full crab? crab? Half, half crab. crab, no shell. No shell. No shell. That shell gets. So I'll, I'll take a crab, cut the legs off, put them in a bucket separate. If I'm because I'm I'm actually cutting my crabs if I can on the way to my area. yeah as you're pedaling yeah um it, it's a pain in the ass but you know what that's that 15 20 minutes of you cutting those crabs is 15 20 minutes that your line's gonna be in the water while you're fishing like, yep once you get there so all those crab legs I save or at least I pile them up on the side and I I, I just pitch them mm-hmm. as soon as they get there once I'm on anchor start pitching chumming a little bit yeah. And I, some people say, hey, no, you, 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 you're chumming for 20 feet behind your boat or whatever like that. I don't care. That just gets those fish in a biting mood. They're mm-hmm. eating tiny little scraps of crab. They're, they're, they're getting the taste. Because, they, I mean. They're french fries. Yeah, exactly. They're french fries. And they're not eating green crabs. Yeah, and you're and, about and to serve them the Big Mac. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean. Gets this, me every time. <laughs> you think about it. What, what do you see in green crabs? You see green crabs in the, in, on, the shore, on the shoreline, in the salt marsh. You're seeing them in, in, in three or four or five feet of water in the rocks. You're not seeing green crabs coming up on your on your baits, you know, when you're when you're scup fishing with, with clams or something like that. Oh, that's true. You're getting, like, the white laker crabs. Those are what those guys are eating in that deep of water. you got to. Give them a little taste of that green crab and say, "Hey, this is this is good. This is this is, this is what you're going to find in this area, you know." So I just I'll just pitch the crab legs, pitch crab legs, and I'm fishing, you know. And and you're catching black sea bass, small black sea bass, keep a black sea bass. You're catching short talk, and every time that you hook on one of those those nuisance fish, well, that that crab that you had on your bait, it, it's, it's it all, falls off. Yep, it gets it's broken chum. up, and it's turning into itself chum. When I take those fish home that I catch. I'm finding those crab legs in their in their stomachs. Mm-hmm. The ones that I'm like my nice keepers, my big fish. They've been rooting around for the last half an hour in that you know 30, 40 yard area. And the crab slick. Yeah, the crab slick. Same exactly. thing when I'm chumming from stripers. If I'm you know catching like smaller keepers and chumming and stuff, a lot of them uh, when we cut them up, we'll have like five or six pieces of mackerel in them. Yeah, it it. it it makes a huge difference. You're building the bite. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one fish attracts two fish. That movement. Um, I know John Skinner has done the videos, and I know he doesn't really care to do the 
building the bike, chump slick kind of thing. Like, I think he says he doesn't like that stuff. But I like that because I'm finding those crab legs in my fish. Yeah. So whatever I'm doing is working for me. It might not work for you. It might not work for somebody else. But when you drop that crab down, you know, you, you got 15 short black sea bass, 30 scup. Yeah. Trying to fight for that that one jig with crab on it. And then you have the tog that are coming moving in, you know, and you got to pick through, like, the short tog before you get that the big one. I mean, I've had I'll, – I'll catch – 13, 14 inch tog and small black sea bass. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I'll hit four or five tog over 20 inches Yeah, in a row. It's just, you got to What jigs do you like to use? I actually, I use uh, lima bean jigs. Yeah. Um, but brand, any particular brand or just whatever's around? The cheapest thing you can find. Yeah. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. Make any sure color? It's I like uh, chartreuse. But yeah. I always like the orange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have chartreuse and I got the chartreuse, the orange gradient ones. Yeah. I buy these jigs off off of uh, htlures.com, something like that. It was, it's I've had these for years, and the hooks are good, and they're lead. You don't need nothing special. Yeah, you don't need nothing crazy. As long as the hook size is appropriate to the fish you're trying to catch, that's yeah. the biggest thing. You can't you know have like a, a an eight aught hook for a tog. What do you fish like four aughts mostly? I think it's I think they're like four aughts and three aughts. They're and then they're uh, on ounce and a half jigs. Yep, that's it. Simplest rig ever, but I use like thirty pound fluoro. No, oh, pretty light. Pretty light, but but the jig is probably not a big a deal because you know. It's... I I I the big fish I get rocked probably seven or eight times by big fish this yeah. year, and actually that biggest fish I caught the twenty six inch that was uh that went nine pounds on the scale, that fish rocked me. And they can feel it going back and forth in that rock because you can feel that vibration. You know that that, that it's it's awful. It's the worst feeling in the world. I know where this is going. Well, I, I actually yachted up on it, and I gave it a little bit of slack, and that, that bass, mm-hmm. he, he swam out. It I, took, I was going to say, did you open your bail or did you drop yep, your tip? Yeah. Yep, give him some room. Give him some time. Yeah. Those fish, you know, they, they get themselves in. They can get themselves out a lot of the times. But when you try to force that fish out, especially when they're that big, you might be able to feel those head shakes, but that fish has got you between one or two rocks. And when you put that tension on it, you, you're going to cut them. You're screwed. Yeah screwed i mean sometimes there's no choice but to pull and hope for the best but you know give give it a little bit of time some of these fish can take four or five minutes you can come off the anchor get above that fish and still get it out yeah and fortunately for me that big fish that won me the the fishing rod yeah and it secured my my my, my placement in that tournament yeah that 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 26 inch tug that i pulled out of the rocks is the one that won it for me yeah you know there you go so i literally a money fish it was it was that, that fish was worth the rod itself is uh I think like 500 bucks. I had a Fenwick back in the day. I let my dad borrow it one day, and it didn't come back home. He said it was in the gunnel. It hit a wave, and it bounced out the gunnel. That's cute. That was like the first like nice rod I bought for myself. I was like 14. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, the, with your lunch money and allowance. Yeah, with an old pen slammer. It was oh. probably the last pen I ever bought, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's when, yeah, it was when Shimano became big, and you're like, oh, this is good. All right, so... We're about an hour into this right now, and one thing that I brought up earlier I want to get back to just because I loved seeing your quotes on it. Tell me about the competition of what it was like as you were fishing throughout the summer and seeing names up and down the leaderboard and, like, Timon's close. Uh, You really articulated it well when they uh, interviewed you. Oh, it's it's killer because when you're in this tournament, they update the standings once a week. There's no midweek updates or anything like that. There's no... So you're you're blind until that. So you if you catch a nice fish, you know, say you get the fish of the month. It's, you yeah. got a week left that month, 
and you catch this, oh, shit, this is the biggest fish of, of the month, you know, in this species, the biggest scup of the month. I'm like, oh, this could be a $100 fish, you know, and it's, as much as that is, you know, it's 100 bucks, whatever. But it's it's the prestige that comes with it. It's, you know, the, it's the friendly competition yeah, aspect yeah. of it. I know? mean, they don't charge you anything to get into this competition. So I mean, oh, so it's open to anyone. Yeah, as long as long as you're a subscriber to the magazine. Yeah, which is great. I mean, it's a free competition where you can win something. It's a great magazine. They really, they've come really, a long yeah. way over the years. Oh man. my god, yeah. I've written a couple articles for them. Yeah, I got one on macro fishing and one on the trolling motor. Yep. 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 I, I just I just finished I just finished up writing an article for him uh, a couple days ago. Oh, you wrote one. Yep. Oh, nice. What, what do you know? What issue it's going to be in? It should be. I think it's in the April edition. April edition. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. It's about the yeah, it's about the competition. Yeah. It's, nice. And they're they're already asking me for another one, which is nice. So, who was your main competitor? Was there a guy like you found yourself always like, oh shit, uh, like he's right on my tail, or he's a, he's the, placing in other categories? The and Bobs. Stuff? There was two Bobs in there. Bob always a Bob. And Bob Wagner. So these guys. So Bob Wagner won it last year. He took the whole entire competition. He okay. actually, he did a great job. Um, last year was my the first year of this tournament, and I placed third. Oh, you placed last year too? Yeah, I placed last year, I get the, and that's how I get that actually the hummingbird. Oh, you're a yeah. savage. You know, upgraded from a low rance, which was a huge upgrade. That was my movement too. I went from low rance to hummingbird. Yeah. Low rance is very user friendly. It Humming, is. Hummingbird is more difficult to get the little minutia of it. But if you're somebody who's out there all the time and relying and using your electronics to their full potential, yeah, just the options the and the details. things that and the details that hummingbird gives you have been really, really beneficial to me. Yep. So. Yeah, so the Bob, so he won it last year. He he actually came up from from New Jersey last year, like the last week of the tournament, and he he snuck in the win, like literally the last week. He drove up from New Jersey to Rhode Island, like Fisher Talk, to to pull up a. I think Do you have to fish in that area? Like, could he have fished in New Jersey? And yep. So it extends all the way down there too. Oh yeah, this is a anywhere that the Fisher Mag magazine is like yep. has a subscription. Yeah. Like, so about so, how many people do you think were participated in the tournament? Uh, this year we had more competition for sure. I saw a lot of new names. Um, this is kid uh, out of Long Island, Rashawn. He he actually he actually got the first place fluke for the Dreamboat competition, which they give away a boat every year. Oh wow. He got the first place a 12-pound fluke on the kayak this year. Wow. So he entered it in the in the dreamboat, and he, I mean, that prize being the fish of the month. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the first place fish of the category. He got like a free mount, got a bunch of stuff that on that tournament, and entered it in this one because it was caught on the kayak. You can enter it in both. It doesn't matter if it's a boat, a kayak's a boat. So they, it's great. This this guy did really well. There's um a lot of competitions, a lot of new names. Um, there's but obviously Bob Wagner was uh, the guy who won it last year. He got second second place this year, but he could have beat me out. Like that, because uh, if he were to beat that 26-inch tog, he would have gone to 10 points from his 7, and then I would have gone down to 9. It would have bumped me to second place, just yeah. like that one fish. So, no kidding. Yeah, it was tight. So I was watching that I was watching that leaderboard for like the last month, and I'm like, jeez. <laughs> and I, I really put – I went all in on those tog. Like, well, you know what I love about the whole situation and is that you grew up fishing up around here. Yep. That fit, you've always been as long as I've known you. You're one of the few guys my age that love bottom fishing, like love Haddock. It. You're a big cod guy, yep. um, and that's what you did every day. We did it every day on the party boats, Haddock fishing, cod fishing from April to October. It wasn't, and it wasn't work because we loved it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you take things that you learn and you go down to a fishery and you learned it. Yep. And I mean, how long have you been fishing down there? I mean, you you've taken trips down there quite often, but not 
hardcore like you have been since yeah. we've been adults. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gotten it's gotten tougher. I think I bought the first kayak back in 2014, and that was the first time I went in black sea bass. Yeah, and boy, that's what really hooked me down yeah. there. That that spring fishery for black sea bass hooked me. It's a riot. That's back when you could keep eight at 14 inches. You come home with a ton of meat, you know. And you go down there to this place where everyone grew up, everyone's fish. Yep. You know, people traveled it their whole lives. You know, I don't know anything about the bobs, but I'm sure they know what the hell they're doing. Yep. And you go down there for fun, and you crushed it, dude. Yep, like that's there's there's nothing like taking like the basic skills you learn somewhere. And applying them somewhere else, or figuring out a new fishery that's like not new, that's new to you. Right. And that's even though you won the tournament, which is fantastic. I mean, it just goes to show you with time and effort, and working on your craft. You know, super impressive. Mm -hmm. it, you find your niche. Yeah. Like that's what it was. I mean, yours is certainly stripers. I mean, you are world class striper fisherman. I don't know about that, but I don't know, man. Like you go out there, you're you're, you're constantly putting fish on the on the board. You're I mean, this year, I think, you, I don't know, you told me you got dozens of fish over 40 inches. I mean, probably hundreds. I think we got like 260 fish over 40 inches this year. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Which, you know, like looking back at it, you know, when I first started chartering up around here and fish around here, you know, you you had a good year if you got like 15, 10, 15, you had a great year. Dude, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I still remember my first fish over 40. Yeah. And it was actually with you. It was that 45-incher that we got. And Where? Uh, I don't know if I should say where inside the river. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Dan, you've you've come a long come a long way. Now you got your own boat and oh, you're yeah, you're definitely. killing it. Yeah, definitely. The uh, I've I've been in the 40 inch club for a while now. It's yep. like kind of like a blur. I had had a lot of luck last year too. The the bass fishery has just been out. It's been outstanding. It's been really good and, in uh, our area. It's man. changed. It's, it's changed. Yeah. It's, it's different not, every year. It's. I mean, well, think about it. 20 years ago, I mean, this is when we were kids, obviously, we were in the teens. It was a herring game. It was all about that sea herring. Yeah. And I never even fished with sea herring, ever. Really? No. Well, that's all I caught all my stripers on. Yeah, and I think about, well, I think about childhood fishing, and I think about going on the party boats out to the Isle of Shoals and catching bluefish. You oh, know? God. All those, <laughs> those days. The yeah. old bluefish slams. But <laughs> everybody wants to learn how to clean a boat, go on yeah. one of those trips. <laughs> Ugh, woof. Oh, God, you see blood. And doing, I did uh, a lot of flounder fishing, too. You know, like 20, 30 feet of water yep. right off Plum Island. Yep. I have not gone flounder fishing since I've owned my own boat. Wow. I have not caught a flounder since I've owned my own you've, boat. You've I've caught, tried once or twice early in the year. You've more fluke off your boat that you Probably, have now yeah. than you have with the flounder. Chris, it was funny what you were saying earlier about uh, there being no dogfish around. Inside. Because, yeah, yep. So, like, I used to catch catch a lot of dogfish, too. Oh, God, yeah, awful. Because you would, you would sometimes get them mixed in, and when you were flounder fishing, they would, yep. it was yep. like, oh, shit, we gotta, we're out of here. But uh, when I got that super heavy kayak I was telling you about, yep. I was in Rye Harbor fishing there, and I'm paddling around, and I'm looking down, and I must have, it must have been a thousand dead dogfish. Oh in yeah, the water. they were dead. It was just a mass, massive kill. I were they on top? No, they were belly. They were belly up, like just on the bottom. Oh, I think I know where those came from. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the old rim rack. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one day my dad and I were by Bora's head, and there was acres of dogfish finning on top, bro. Us, dude, like we were like literally driving by with a net and scooping them up. I'd never seen anything before or after like that ever. I'm, I may or may not have freaked after dogfish or two fishing by the rock pile and rock boat. Uh, going back oh, to our CFP on. days. I will tell you, there was one time that we did make dogfishing fun. 
We just made up a leader with like four hooks, <laughs> and then you got to catch like four of them at once, and that, that makes it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> they don't fight bad. I mean, <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's just they make such a damn mess. They're, you don't know what it's like on a party boat when like five people next to each other have dogfish on double hooks. And all Ooh. they do is circle. Oh. Circle all the way up, yeah. Oh. But Michael, I will say, Michael. going back to your gaff game, I got to tell the story. <laughs> so awful. If anyone's had like a ten foot gaff on the pulpit of a party boat trying to gaff a bluefish, man, you'd understand. Like it is, it's probably the most challenging fishing thing that you can do. And the spaghetti noodle with the hook. And on I, it. I swear to God, I think sometimes Justin forgot his glasses back on shore. But I'll never <laughs> forget it. One day we're fishing in front of Plum Island. Guy on the stern's got a. Uh, uh, bluefish on <laughs> and you know he's trying to lift it eight feet up into the back of the boat and as he's lifting it the bluefish falls off and i see justin in his six five with long skinny asses reach over with the long gaff and free gaff the bluefish as it was swimming away <laughs> yeah. and got it back in the boat and then there was another one that was right there for him it took him about 16 swipes to hit it because you just never know with those things it's like it's like when shooting for ducks you know like if, if you don't if you don't think about the shot You'll nail it every time. Oh, as but soon the, as you start looking at the beat or the uh, yeah, oh, forget yeah. about it. I know Dan's like duck hunter. Yeah. I, mean, if you, if I was you actually going to ask it, you that. Do you duck hunt out of your kayak too? No, believe it or not. I bought that. And I, I, I bought the kayak, the burlap. I bought the olive green kayak the first time around. I'm like, this is going to be a great duck hunting platform. Not once. Wow. Never. No kidding. Saturday is the last day for sea ducks up here. Oh, dude. I would never. I, that's the thing. Up here with the Merrimack, you, you get so much current. I couldn't even. You wouldn't be able to chase down one of the ducks. Have you ever well, tried you fishing? Go in from uh, the reservation, Salisbury, though. Yeah. We get in there. That's, uh, it's not that bad. Oh, over to the. Yeah. Out into the. Yeah, that way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever bring a kayak and fish up around our area at all? Or you just. You love the South Bite so much? South Bite, yeah. I mean, I, I do the spring fishery for the stalkers. Because yeah. we have nothing else to fish for come, like, March when the ice, first ice out. Yeah. Uh, they start dumping the, the stocking truck. That, that's great, though. I, there's nothing like trolling around that first open water bite of the year oh, just, yeah. and just beating on those, those 14, 15-inch stockies. So when in, the, when in the tournament, though, you won a new, a new kayak, right? I did, yeah. That's awesome. So you have a kayak for sale. I do have one for sale, yeah. It's on Facebook Marketplace. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, it's... it's this Wait, so you have the champion... The champions kayak for sale on marketplace right no, now? No, no, not not the new one. No, my old one. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just saying the one that actually oh, did the yes, fishing yeah, in, right? Actually, yeah. yeah. The one that caught all the fish. Nice. Um, oh, it's got some mojo. So everybody buys that, they're gonna get some uh, Justin Noser magic on it. Yeah, it's 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 a fishy boat. They're fishy. Um the problem is is the supply chain right now, like as you guys seen with like with fiberglass boats and engines and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah it's, it seems like it. it's always it's always one part. You know, it's like you might yep. be able to get the hull, but you know your uh, not getting the your, motor. Your pedal drive is not available, <laughs> well, or that, your transducer isn't coming in. It's the hull. Huge problems with electronics. Oh, oh yeah, you know that. And uh, I ordered two fish finders like literally eighteen months ago, and I just had to go to another party and hopefully get one. It's well, it sucks. I, I just watched so, the Bass, oh the Bass Pro mag, uh, catalog, Cabela's Bass Pro. They're on the Gen Four Helixes right now. They're, that's what's released. Yeah, they're selling Gen threes in their catalogs because you can't get Gen fours. You yeah. can't get them. Yep. Imagine that they're an old stock. Like I will say stock. though. So like Chris and I both have Solix, which are it's a hybrid touchscreen, and you also also yep. have buttons. I do think being in a kayak 
having the helix and having full control with the buttons on the display yes. would I would not want to be messing around with no. touch screen. No, I wouldn't. No, I mine wouldn't gets especially if you get any sight type of spray or splash. When mine gets wet, it gets funky. Does yours too? Yeah, exactly. yeah I yeah, have to so shut the touch to, screen off. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does it, it yeah, the, exactly. Like you don't use the touch screen, you'll just yeah. go use the yeah. buttons. Which is great because a lot of companies don't actually make a hybrid one. Like Garmin doesn't make a hybrid one. No. You either have buttons or or t all touch screen. I think yeah. Simrad has some with buttons. It's but. great if you got a cabin, enclosed cabin. Yeah. Awesome. But oh, in a kayak, kayak. Yeah. you got nothing. I mean, listen, your first your first fish you bring in the boat's putting wa salt water on your, on yeah. your screen. It's yeah. just the nature of it. I carry around a bottle of fresh water with me so I can actually see my screen at the end of the day. So yeah. what, what are you using for a battery? Oh, I use a uh, Dakota Lithium for my fish finder now because... The helixes do draw quite a bit of juice. Yeah, my solixes do too. Uh, I have to use a 12 volt, 23 amp hour lithium, which weighs less than my lead acid 10 amp, uh, 7 amp hour. How much? How much would you say it weighs? Oh God, probably less than five pounds. Well, yeah. maybe maybe a little more than five pounds. The the I have some 10 amp hours that they work. It's just you you got to cut your trip off by 11 o'clock if you use a 10 amp hour on this machine. Yeah, and uh, that weighs like three pounds and change. It's phenomenal. The, the, the so lithium does the, is Does huge. it run true to the battery? How, how are you doing for time? Oh, I, I've never drained out the 23 amp hour. Never. Not once. And that's and that's long days. I fish, you know, obviously, you turn that on at 5 o'clock and you're not off the water till 2. What, what's that? Uh, 7, 8, nine, 9 hours. 9 yeah. hours on that. And I'm not running into any, you know, I don't know if you've ever run the batteries down on yours, but like on the Helix, it'll start flashing your, like the, you'll have a lot of interference before it dies. The only time... I I think my trolling motor ran out once or twice, and it was really because I didn't I didn't plug it in the night before. Yeah, and um, you know maybe I just wasn't expecting to use it where I was using it, and both times were really high current situations too, okay. so it was working over time. Yep. But um, other than that, no, I make sure I charge it every night now. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, you got it too. It's yeah. It, it you take care of equipment, it takes care of you. I mean, yeah. It, the fish finder stuff, I it. it you don't have a fish finder. It's I don't know. If, I've done it once where I went on the water without a fish finder. I used my phone for my uh, the Navionics chip. My like oh the uh, yep. Navionics app. Yep, use yeah, it all the time. Kind of, the app on the phone. Yeah, I tell you what, it's sonar chart. And you get, it's yeah. it's great it's to have detailed. as a backup. It's great to have in the winter time when you go to the bathroom. That's how I find <laughs> I, yeah. most of my fishing. Oh yeah, <laughs> when you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep. Yeah, yeah, you, you look for that new hump or yeah. the new edge <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Well, and that's, and that's the thing too is that um, I run the Coastmaster chart and the Navionics chart. The, uh, the gold, chart, gold yeah. chart on my machine. I can switch between the two on my because yep. you have two slots. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So you, you might as well use them. I mean, it's a two, two different charts. You're going to find differences. It's I really like the Hummingbird one, the Coastmaster, because oh, yeah, you can Coast highlight Master. the depths, depths. dude. Yep. Like when I'm trolling the stripers, huge. Just a quick reference, just to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then when, like, what I like to do, and I don't know if you guys do this too, but like, say I'm trolling in like, 20 feet right yeah. i'll set my depth between like 18 and 24 and i'll look at that color i'll make it like red if right. i saw him fishing that day but then you see it like if i'm trolling the beach where it's mostly just straight but then you see where like the little choke points come a yeah. lot quicker a lot easier and I you will see those you. steep drop-offs mm -hmm. and you can fish those and target them easier you know so much easier i'm gonna say so for the uh as far as like the heat it's like a, almost like a heat map when yeah. you have when yeah you yeah exactly colors, it's absolutely amazing when i'm at the stern of the boat and I'm looking at the display because I don't have the best eyesight. So to be looking for lines and looking for depths and like trying right. to read it, it's just like I'm too far away. Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking at a bag of Skittles, I know exactly where, right. where I'm going. Right, and, exactly. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. So for mine, I use the red for under under two feet. Yeah. Just so that I know that 
there's a damn good chance that I'm going to run aground if I or p- drive my fins into the into a piece of ledge Dude. if I go inside this area. Justin, before we go, I got one thing for you. I never kayak fish. If you were talking to a new kayak fisherman, what's one little piece of like oddball equipment that you're just like, man, this thing is awesome. It could be something super expensive and big and flashy or just one little tool, like a little snip or something that is just so helpful out there. Like if I were to get geared up for, for this, what's one little thing that I wouldn't think about that I should grab? It's hard. It's hard. Your life jacket. (laughs) Yeah. Realistically, I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had a life jacket with me. I never wore the damn thing. Yeah. How stupid that was. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Did you tip over ever? Never. Well, let me knock on some wood here. Yeah. I never tipped over. Um, but I've been out in some nasty stuff. And when we were younger, we were invincible. Yeah. Don't make that mistake. Make sure you get your, your whistle. Make mm-hmm. sure you get your life jacket on. Like that safety stuff is number one. You want to make sure that you go out fishing, you're coming back. Do you have one of the um, the gas powered ones there? That's what I use now. But I just this past month I actually bought a uh, one of the NRS. Um, life jackets. I think it's a Stolquist. What are those like? It's a high, know. high backed, so that like if you're sitting in a chair in one of the pedal uh, kayaks, it's, yeah. you're not going to be all jacked up, you know, leaning mm-hmm. forward, yeah. you know, six inches because of padding. Way, way life gear. But if I had to say, if you needed one thing for fishing, kayak boating, fishing, yeah. get yourself a good fish finder and get yourself a good shot. That's, it doesn't need to be nothing special. You can go buy a, a Lowrance hook five for, 300 bucks right yeah. now we'll do the trick and and spend the money on the on a good card the 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 Navionis cards or the coastmaster if you had to go with the hummingbird get the coastmaster chart we should do a day we should do like a little video about how to read a chart it would it would it would help i mean honestly it's so helpful the hummingbird stuff we, we touched on it already but that highlighting of the of the certain depths yeah. is huge if i'm looking for a black sea bass i can use that and find one of those humps that you can you find the high see. spots Right, that just stands out. Because if you're looking at a black and white chart, it's all lines, mm-hmm. and you have to look at the numbers to know what you're really looking at. Mm-hmm. But when you can highlight, you know, the high spots, you can highlight every high spot coming out of 50 feet of water to 30 feet of water. That's huge. I do that haddock fishing a lot too. Like I'll set my high spots to be like around like 150 to 160. Yeah, and then I'll see like little dabs of green on my chart when I go out there, and I'll hit those little green spots first, and right. then move off into any other color. Right. Yep. That that higher relief is especially with stuff that orients it into structure. I mean that structures everything. So I mean, the black sea bass, the talk. You can find bigger pieces of bottom that way, and then once you're in that that area, that mega imaging. Find your area, then highlight your spot. Yeah. And exactly. Then, and then. On that side scan, you can you can take your your cursor and you see that rock you want to fish. You drop that cursor on that rock, hit the waypoint button, and boom, you know where that rock is. That stuff we didn't have ten years ago. I I tell you, man, like until probably on my Parker, my third year with my Parker, when I first got my hummingbird, I I either thought my fish finders didn't work or we just didn't have fish here and then just how much i see nowadays and just how much it just cuts my time looking around in half it's 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 a tool man it's a legitimate tool use Uh, it yeah and you got that you get that picture of that whale you have a whale in side scan yeah i got a few of them actually i mean yeah i got a whale going through the thing of pogies i got dude i got sturgeon where you can see the whole outline of the sturgeon i have a tuna fish a bluefin tuna in nine feet of water on my side scan. Yep. Yeah. We got, I got uh, seals. Crazy. It's everything. And, and dude, lo- ago, lobster pots, 
crab oh, yeah. pots, uh, the crab pots in the spring that are in there in the river. Yeah. Um, you, can you know, see the squids. You can see the dike when you're in Joppa. Yeah, you know. Oh my God, I forgot about that. You yeah, can the, see that big tree that everyone nails right by the. Uh, oh yeah, trees look really cool. <laughs> the trees yeah, look yeah. wicked cool. Oh, you get all the branches. You can see the fish inside the branches. Yeah, yeah you like- can see like if I'm going like on on a on a bank like a um, you know if I'm like bump trolling mackerel or pogies along uh, um, the high grass or something, yep. you know those little that sides that mud of that grass divots in yep. and you can literally see the white specks in that little little holes and those are your big fish that are out of the current and just getting all the crap that's coming to them right and that's it and they're like sp- trout they're like you freaking trout. see them and you just know they're there yeah so yeah. that tree on the salisbury side you get an image so clear you can actually see a chunk of Johnny V's props. <laughs> <laughs> one on the west end, one on the east end. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. My father got a new engine last year, and he was breaking it into his first time going full throttle. He fucking nailed that tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was breaking it in, all right. But yeah. Suzuki, it held up well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, you know, there wasn't metal chips in the oil. The question is, do we get Johnny V on here one oh, day? Of course we do. Oh, we got to get Johnny V out here. Oh, my yeah. old man. And we got ladies and gentlemen. I'll pay for that one. I'll seat. pay for that. At, well, that you know, I think we'll have a crowd of people just drinking beers in the back, like they're watching a Pats game, and just let them roll. God, I have to wear a diaper. Have I have to wear a diaper. Tell, tell about the trip I took with them down to uh, Milk Island. Uh, <laughs> my first trip. Uh, I'll talk about the trip we went to Stellwagen. Stellwagen. <laughs> oh, that was our first time fishing together, yep, right? The yep. Stellwagen trip with Johnny V. He was ripping a butt, sitting on a bucket. Taking a dump in like six foot seas <laughs> with the only boat out there, and I, I, I put enough water in that bucket so that every time we fucking jump into a wave, it would just that water splashing his balls. Oh. I just remember I was driving the boat and it was like you saw sky, then water, yeah. sky, then water, and I couldn't drive because I was dying laughing so hard of my father sitting behind the leaning post grabbing down on a bucket and we're like oh my god don't slide you see the bucket sliding and he's catching it with his ass and then the kicker was when he rips out a cigarette <laughs> like he's having his Sunday morning shit oh my god I lost it oh I did know. he wipe his ass with the free t-shirt he got yep. in the post At show, the boat show. <laughs> this bright <laughs> yellow Cito t-shirt oh, he got from the boat show cutting it up he <laughs> took it right off his own back to wipe his ass oh you can't make this stuff up <laughs> and he couldn't hey, wait Chris. until we cleared the Inneswamp we couldn't wait. You had to have, you had Dude, to have you it like realize, 10 miles offshore. It took us from the northwest corner to get into Gloucester Harbor. It's like, what, 13, 14 miles? Yeah. It took us three hours to get back into the Anasquam. That's Awful. how rough it was. We were in a 23-foot uh, center console. The Key West. No, that was the Key West. That was the Key West, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I love that boat. That was a good little boat. And, my God, and somehow, somehow, we caught a gannet. We had a tuna come down in like the second wave behind the boat. Dude, remember we had the tuna come up? And then the gannet came down and got the the slug out to the wing. And then the other rod went off on the X wrap, and it was a huge striper. Oh, dude, we got we got into some monsters. This is back when those monster stripers were on Stellwagen, in the sand yield pot. And oh my god, dude, dude, we caught. We probably got a couple fifty pounders and yeah. just threw them back. We didn't even, we didn't take them out of the water. We didn't we didn't went. Well, obviously, you can't. You're not yeah, supposed yeah. to yeah. target them. Yeah. Uh, we never even took them out of the water. We had these like. 49, 48 inch bass, yeah. like both side, yes. like, yeah. and we didn't even, we didn't even like bat an eye at we're like, Hey, yeah. we're tuna fishing, yeah. and then that damn nice. gannet came and, sc- and screwed up the first good tuna bite of the day. Those things will always ruin your day. Oh my god, hooked it in the wing, dive bombs the sluggo, hooks con- itself in its wing, and then we, <laughs> we had this stupid bird cartwheeling in the second wave on a sluggo, 
And then we get it in the boat, and boy, wouldn't you know it, those are big birds. Yeah. Dude, they're not fun to deal big with, Big beaks, like a five-inch beak. Dude, they have little prick. teeth in the back of their beak, too. Oh, they're, yeah. Well, at least they looked it. I don't know. I didn't right. want to get near that thing. <laughs> they're looking at me like, I'm like, give me a t-shirt. I'll get this thing off. We covered it up. We get the thing off, and you grab it by the primary wing feather and pitch it. Yep. Hopefully it doesn't come back at you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the good thing is Justin went to school to be a conservation officer, so we had the right guy on the boat to take care of oh, it. Oh, God, the amount of birds. I get bit by a cormorant this year. I'll be fishing. Oh, fuck those things. Dude, what a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, like, feed on shallow water. I zing off the, the exo jig. As soon as that thing hits the water, cormorant right into my line. Flies into my line, oh. and it was, like, right next to the jig. So it instantly get hooked up oh, right to its leg. Pull the jig right into it. What, a, yeah. what am I... One of my guilty pleasures of life is when I'm shark fishing and the Jesus birds come, the little swim petrels, the yep. little black ones, and I'm just sitting there and they're zigzagging back and forth across the slick, and then all of a sudden one just gets clotheslined by, by the lines that are out yeah. there. My clients get a kick out of it. I go, keep your eyes back there. Watch this guy. Boom! Somersaults <laughs> down. Like, oh, what just happened? <laughs> you don't touch on the lines. That's the best part, too, is that you have no part of it. It's just nature doing its thing. Uh. <laughs> uh. All right. Dude, we're at an hour 30. Woo. Awesome. Good job. That was a lot of fun, Justin. Yeah. Thank you for coming, Great man. Time. Justin, thank you very me. much for coming on. To hey, let's, uh, let's get together. We got to get the crew. We have a CFP day up here. We oh could have a couple God, stories yes. about that, man. Oh, God. <laughs> those, those are great days. No, but honestly, though, man, it was great to hear about your kayak fishing experience. Congratulations on your tournament win. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you, guys. Hopefully, you know, some of the listeners here, if you haven't sold it by the time this airs, they can check out your uh, marketplace championship kayak yeah. so that's starting the youtube right channel now. up too we're gonna do a youtube channel this year jo's are outdoors um, oh nice it's not it's i got the i got it the channel name already got that but i haven't started any videos yet i got some stuff i got to do some editing on i want to put it out at least have 